You're listening to Fuelnof Radio on CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria, broadcasting from my traditional territory of Husainich and Lekwungen territory. It's Gwichahela, it's Nick, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 2 of Fuelnof Radio. In this episode, I have interviewed seven individuals who are revitalizing their indigenous language. I chose this topic for this episode because the United Nations declared this year as the year of indigenous languages. And since last year, I've met these individuals and saw how they were revitalizing their language, whether it be through taking a university language revitalization program, learning from their elders in the community, taking evening classes at a friendship center, or they grew up with it and they just want to share with their peers. So that's how these individuals are revitalizing their language. And the indigenous people in this episode speak Lekwungen, Sanchothan, Nuchanath, Taltan, Cree, and Denejoti. And editing this really inspired me. Going back and listening to what all these people had to say about learning their language, about what they've learned and how they've learned and hearing them speak their language really moved me and reminded me that I got to start using my language more every day because I haven't had any language classes for maybe like a year and a bit and I almost feel myself starting to lose my language. So hearing these reminders of what these people had to say really stuck with me and reminded me that I got to start using my language more and more every day so it can stay with me so I don't lose it because that's that's who I am. I hope you guys enjoy this content and here we go. Good day my friends. I'm glad to be here today. Tatata is my name and I am from here in Lekwungen. Good day, my friends. My name is Kristen. I come from Seot and Seabird Island. Hello, my name is Aya Klapis. I'm from Huwait First Nations. Uh, my mother is Crystal Klapis. My father is Ahmed Jama. My grandparents are Zelta Klapis and the late Chester Klapis. Hello everyone, good afternoon. My name is Haley. My Taltan name is Raspberry. I'm from the Wolf Clan and I'm from a little community known as Deast Lake, BC. And currently I live in Victoria, BC. Um, the language that I am learning is Taltan, which is a Dene language from the tip of northern British Columbia. Uh, St. Boniface Ochianida. Hi, my name is Yvonne. <laughs> um, I'm a Métis woman from the community of St. Boniface. 
which is currently in Winnipeg in Treaty 1 territory. And I speak Nahiva Wewin, which is the TH dialect of the Cree language. Azizila Nicole Peran, Dega Gotikwen Gotze Ate, Semo Kani Peran, Gotze Seta Stephen Nadli Uje. My name is Nicole, and I'm from uh, Fort Providence, Northwest Territories, and my mom is Connie Peron, and my dad's name is Stephen Nadley. My name is Cheryl Klee. I'm from Fort Simpson, Northwest Territories. I'm very humble and grateful to be here on the traditional lands of the indigenous peoples of the coast, Masi. What is the moment that made you want to start learning your language? The first memory I have of wanting to learn the language was when I was about eight or nine. I remember hearing the Lekwungen language classes were being held in our old cold portable of a band office. Without hesitation or even my parents present, I took the initiative to attend the classes. It was last year through my practicum placement with my Indigenous Family Support Worker program through Kermosin, I was brought back into my community who were in the first few months of a language program. Upon completing my practicum, I was to go into year two of uh, my studies towards a degree in social work. And it was during my um, final Kermosin evaluation, uh, my Kermosin advisor spoke highly of my practicum placement. And I can recall her saying, when you speak of learning the language and language revitalization, you light up, you're glowing, and it's your passion. She was actually the one who gave me the information on the program I'm taking now here at UVic, um, the Sinchathan East two-year diploma program. I honestly didn't know what Sinchathan was until I was about in grade eight going to Bayside Middle School. I was kind of tossed into the class and I had no idea what it was. I didn't know any words other than, you know, a few words that were thrown around when we were kids, but I never really knew the language. And um, once I became a mom of two little girls, I decided that it was time to step up, seeing that I'm like hardly two generations away from being the next elder (laughs) and teaching my kids and uh, having the responsibility to pass on the language and our teachings and within our culture. And I wanted my girls to be rooted right from birth. They have traditional names and with them having traditional names, I wanted to be able to understand the language myself. So just... Over a year ago, I took it upon myself, found out what it took to get into the program. I heard about the program through you, and I was determined. So here I am today in the Husan East Diploma Language Program. Hmm. The moment that I started to want to learn my language, it's kind of a long and, you know, unclear path to realizing that I I'm really dedicated to this language revitalization work, but it began somewhere in my first year of university. Um, So I grew up, I took 12 years of French immersion. Um, It was something that when I was young, you know, it was one of the better public schools. My mom thought it would be a good idea to give me a kind of a head start. And I enjoyed it. I picked it up really easily. Um, In high school, I went on to take French um, as well as Spanish. And then 
in my first year of university, I saw that there was a Mandarin course available through via uh, Vancouver Island University. And so I signed up for that and I had an amazing teacher. She was brilliant and engaging and made it totally okay for all of us to, you know, kind of flounder using parts of our mouths that we never really use in the English language. Um, as for most of us coming to it with our first language being English, um, and I had a lot of fun, you know, and I got really excited about learning something that, you know, I thought I would never be able to kind of get a grasp of. Um, and so we began, uh, you know, the beginning of the course, I barely knew anything past, um, Ni Hao, <laughs> but by the end we were able to write short essays about a page and a half in um, Chinese characters as well as able to write it in pinyin, which is like um, almost like the phonetic way of, of um, interpreting the um, Chinese um, characters. And so, yeah, it was a great experience. And I eventually... Um, started want, having that crave to to understand the elders every time I'm at a community meeting and they're talking over coffee and tea and I, I, and I want to be part of the club is kind of how it started to feel. Um, and so kind of naturally I started looking online and asking around because for this during this time I'm mostly out of community and either Nanaimo or Victoria for school. And come last fall, um, there was the possibility of taking language classes through um, the Friendship Center in Victoria, or Matuni, as we call it in Hoyt. Um, and I totally took the opportunity to do that because it was something that really matters to me um I'm realizing that so many of our elders are are coming quite elderly and you know I worry that the language with and think in New Channel we've only we only have like 140 fluent speakers currently so to me that's really alarming and so I wanted to be able to be part of that work to be done the moment I wanted to start learning my language was when I was teaching a science, a science workshop in a kindergarten classroom at the Klo Huelnu, forgive me if I said that wrong, it's a tribal school in West Sainage. I was teaching a science workshop there in a kindergarten immersion classroom. And I was blown away by how the students could speak so fluently and how proud they were to speak. It was as if they had no idea about what how it felt to be, how it felt to have shame in regards to who you are. And they actually understood the concepts in the science curriculum better when their teacher spoke to them in their language. Towards the end of the workshop, I was crying. I was crying a lot. And I just, I just felt very moved by the spirit and just, just knew right away, like, this is something that we need to see in our territory. This is something that I want to be a part of in my lifetime. And it was at that moment that I decided, okay, I don't care what happens or what it takes, it is now, we are going to learn the language. 
I had absolutely no idea who to contact. I was looking online on Google, phoning the bound office, phoning T- TCG, which is our telecom central government, and I eventually found an email of somebody who was an instructor in what I was so surprised to find was a telecom language uh, language program ran out of UVic. So I so I sent this person an email and I said, "Hello, my name is Healy." I'm very eager to learn my language. I'm studying education, and I would love to teach in the territory, but also be able to teach in my language. And they were very excited to to contact me, but I asked them if they had any online courses available for me to take because I was currently finishing my elementary education degree, and there was absolutely no way that I could travel all the way up to my reserve just to learn language for for those two years in person. Um, unfortunately, there was no language online courses, but she did connect me to this other individual. Her name was Sarah Kell. Now, Sarah Kell is a linguist, and she also has a Master's of Language Revitalization from the University of Victoria. And she was working on a Telton language curriculum project from kindergarten to grade 8 for our school district, which is going to be implemented in every school on Telton territory. And they wanted to know if I was able to lend my teacher brain to the project. So I said, yes, <laughs> of course. I had no idea how to speak anything. Just thank you and hello, that's it, my language. But here I was as a research assistant helping to develop this language curriculum. I felt so honored to be able to help my, to help my nation with the skills that I do have in mm-hmm. education, so curriculum building. And mm-hmm. along the way, I learned a lot. I'm still not where I want to be in my language learning, but um, I'm getting there. So we finally finished the curriculum document uh, last year, and we're still waiting to get it implemented in the schools. We're just waiting on a few meetings to be held, but we're really excited to have that done. And after, after our work with the curriculum project, we started working on our first voices portal. For those of you who don't know what that is, it's an online platform that the nations build themselves where you can learn your language uh, digitally. So for those of us who are away from our home territories, it's, sometimes we feel very disconnected and, and far away and that <laughs> there's no hope to, to learn, basically. But through First Voices, that sort of disconnection is aided. I think the moment that I wanted to start learning my language was when I graduated high school. And I was talking to my uncle who came to my graduation and he was asking like, like what thank you is in the language um, up in Ladysmith and it's Heichka obviously. (laughs) Um, And so then he was talking about like what it is to say thank you in our language and was just talking about how my gookum could understand some of the language but never learned it Mm -hmm. and that yeah, just kind of sparked a desire in me. But I didn't get the opportunity until this past November when, yeah, there was just an opportunity for a fluent language TH dialect Cree speaker to be teaching. So I jumped on that, yeah. I've always wanted to learn Dene Jatier. My mom wasn't raised in her home community, so it was definitely um, a disconnection that I had growing up. 
And then I heard about the ILR program, the Indigenous Language Revitalization Program through our Dachel region and UVic, and was encouraged very much so to attend it. And it became a part of my life ever since. And I'm very thankful for that. I've always been a language speaker. I was raised by my grandparents on our traditional homestead, a place called Two Islands. And I grew up there till I was seven. Then I moved with my parents to learn to be an independent bushwoman, I guess. And until I was about 14 years old. And during that time, I sporadically went to residential school. But after about that 14, I think I was in there more permanently. And I attended one of the last ones that closed. And yeah, I've always spoken my language, but I really wanted it. I wanted to be um, accredited for my traditional knowledge and my lived experience. And and I too, like um, Nicole, is in the language program and moved on to our Bachelor of Education degree program. And I'm really thankful for that. Let's see. Is there any challenges or obstacles you had to overcome while learning your language? I would have to say it's been overwhelming learning both culture and language. Growing up, I really didn't have any knowledge of any of my cultural backgrounds, New Chonath or Coast Salish. Traditional ways of life were non-existent to me. I went to a private school all my life where my siblings and I were the only Indigenous children in the entire school, and I've longed to be re- reconnected to back to my roots. I think the challenges and obstacles so far have been trying my hardest to decolonize my uh, learning abilities, the different ways that I learn something new, taking notes, reading in books, and with it being such an oral traditional language, it's been hard to do both, but I'm managing to find new ways and picking up the language and speaking with my daughters. There were definitely quite a few obstacles. I mean, one of them being that the course um, or the language classes that I was in, I was part of, because in your channel, there's, there's several different dialects and each nation has their own, you know, flavor, if you will, of new channel. So that's 14 different flavors. And I'm just, you know, one one of those. And so the classes that I was taking focused mostly on central and the northern dialects of New Chanoth. And I'm more the East Barclay, Barclay Sound dialect. So I struggled with, you know, learning, but also not learning my words or my songs. And it was still uplifting to be a part of the class, but I did have that drive to actually learn it in my dialect, because that meant when I went home, people would understand what I was saying. And I think, for example, you know, it is a lot of similar words between the dialects, but then, you know, we're doing um, all the different parts of the body in New Channel in class, and all of, all of them are the same, like, you know, eyes and your cussies and your, and your ears, your bees. But then when it came to mouth, I noticed that out of all the dialects that we were learning, like they all had this a different word than ours for mouth. And so I have a little Huayat uh, phrase and word book. So I had to reference that. And that's just one small example. I think broadly challenges are feeling, you know, pressure to get it right every single time. Pressures to like, you know, make your mouth learn 
how to make noises or sounds that it's never made before, which is like a literal part of decolonizing your your tongue, <laughs> which is really difficult, but it's really beautiful when you finally start to naturally have things just um, flowing and it feels really good. And yeah, I think think that plus just that pressure to feel like you have to get it perfect every time, which I know that's not true, but I think a lot of us, you know, in every day we feel that. So definitely have to sit with my with myself and kind of reflect and, and not feel discouraged at times. But I think I've really been uplifted by the people around me who have made such huge strides in, in learning their language and like perfecting whether it's phrases or their introduction to themselves or their family. So I think, you know, all the obstacles aren't without a huge payoff for sure. Uh, so there are always challenges and there are always obstacles when it comes to learning our languages because our languages are close to dying and there are only a limited amount of people who speak them fluently. And a lot of us are displaced and a lot of us are in the cities trying to get a Western education because that is the only way that we can, you know, succeed in this world right now as it is, is to get that Western education. So a lot of us are working double time. We have multiple jobs. I know I have multiple jobs and I go to school. Well, I, I just finished my degree, but while I'm in my career, I will also be helping and working on these projects. So a lot of time, time management, that's the biggest, that's the biggest challenge. And Unfortunately, I hate to say this, but procrastination and not setting intentions, I found that to be a little bit hard for my language journey. I'll get, I got caught up in that, I'll get to it, I just got to finish this portion of my studies, or I'll get to it, I just got to finish this. But I think that that is getting in the way of pro- progression. So moving on to advice, my advice would be to at least learn a phrase or a word a day to kick the procrastination in the butt. And I know it's hard because we have to balance all our other lives out here, but try to make time. There's two big challenges, one being um, in the school semesters. We only meet twice a week. Um, And during the summer right now, we're only meeting uh, once every week or once every other week. Um, And then we only have one fluent speaker for a class of about 10 people who regularly come. Um, So we don't get much one-on-one time with her. For me, it was definitely shyness, first and foremost. I didn't really have confidence in myself and in a lot of aspects in my life and things that I did. But I think that shyness for a little bit kind of affected my confidence and therefore it also affected um, creating a good mentorship connection. But later on, I'm very thankful for my sister's father-in-law, Albert Minoza, who I'd like to think really saw me struggle as a language learner. And he would always ask me questions every time I go see him. At first, I didn't really know what he was asking. But as, you know, I paid attention, I I caught on. And also, I definitely would not understand the language the way I do today if it wasn't for Andy. 
And I think um, overcoming that shyness and gaining my own confidence really helped me create those mentor connections and, and see the ones that I already had in my life. Yeah, and it really made a big difference. And so Masi Cho to Andy Norwegian and Violet Jumbo, who really gave us everything we could ever need in learning and understanding and sharing the language with um, the younger generation. I guess my challenge as a language speaker is speaking the language to those who still speak it fluently like I do. I'm very fortunate. I do have family members who are very fluent in the language and some people still from my generation who are as well. So I think the struggle is to maintain and stay in the language. I think too that being you know, the with the world view shift as well, like thinking in your language and thinking in English and reverting back to language is 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 a skill in itself. And um, I think those are challenges and obstacles of mine that I I face when using my language. But I'm getting better at it, and so I'm appreciative of that. Let's see. What are your language goals for the year? For myself, I'd like to continue building on my fluency by speaking more myself. I find that I still use English as a way to reply when I know I could have replied using the language. Use what you know. As for work, I'd really like to draw in more language learners. I'm really proud of the progress Songhees has made with our program in the last year. We have a dedicated team striving to constantly improve our program, and it's great that, that the interest is there. We introduce language into our preschool at the beginning of the new year, and I still get emotional hearing the language speak. It's an amazing thing to witness. My language goals for the year is uh, to inspire more people to learn the language with me, especially within my home, uh, my partner, my kids, my youngest daughter. My oldest daughter is in the language immersion program, but my youngest is not, and I want her to be able to pick up a few words here, here and there, learning from her sister and myself, and speaking with my father, speaking with my friends, and just really trying to reach out and encourage the, uh, what are you? The next generation? Yeah, I guess, yeah. Encourage the next generation. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was going to say something like, um, stoke the fire within other people and say, hey, like, you know, it is something. I think if I had to make one goal, it would be to just incorporate language into my everyday life. Um, I've gotten a lot better at doing that, even if it's like talking to a crow (laughs) to name it or talking to myself as I go for a walk and there's just plants that I recognize or um, getting in the habit of describing what kind of day it is you know if it's windy or um what day of the week is it um and yeah and just even just um different ways to relate to one another so like um being able to refer to my youngest cousin correctly and my oldest cousin correctly because there are different terms um So yeah, I think just continuing to bring language in every day and keep doing that until it's 
it's, you know, second nature. And I, or, you know, that's, I think the goal is to just have it with me always. My language goals for this year are to continue helping the language team. So I'm going to continue helping with the curriculum design as well as the First Voices portal. Um, so what I do with the First Voices portal is I sit and I edit uh, audio. <laughs> so I have the honor to listen to my elders and other fluent speakers speaking on my device. And I get to edit their, their audio, which is how I stay in the language because otherwise it's quite hard. <laughs> and I'm going to make a language goal for myself, a couple of them actually, one is going to be one conversation in the language a week. I'm going to try and do this. So that, that's going to include phoning a family, family member, a relative, a fluent speaker, my great-grandmother. She's a fluent speaker in my family. Phoning them up and asking them, asking them if they would have a conversation with me and to be patient with me as I'm, as I'm learning. And then I was thinking about making sure that I at least have one word or phrase a day. doesn't matter how small it is, any language initiative that you are capable of having that day, that is a success. That is you taking back your language. And the last thing I said or thought to myself was, maybe I should cover my house with Post-it notes. <laughs> so learning the names for things like the door or the bathroom sink or the tub or things like that, because these are common, these are things that are in our everyday lives. We should know the names for them. At least I, I would love to know the names for them. And um, that's it for now. My language goals are to spend more time with Jackie, which is my teacher, like outside of class time and just kind of organically be learning the language. I'd like to learn like more prayers. I know like some basic prayers, but I'd like to learn how to better express myself. Yeah, in my own prayer. Mine would definitely be as a language learner to constantly make it a part of my life and my everyday thinking. I mean, I find myself sometimes, especially when I am with Cheryl on campus, um, looking at things differently, plants, trees, especially ones we don't have and how we would describe them. As Cheryl told me a story before of how she was wondering how she would describe the trees that peel here, the arbutus trees, to her grandmother. And so that always gave me that Dene perspective is no matter where we go, it's important to see it in our own worldview and so that we can remain strong in seeing that worldview and that, and you know, Dene is how we say the Dene way. So staying connected, even if it's through prayer, and the little words that I know, I think that's definitely my goal is to make it a part of my everyday life for the rest of my life. I guess my goal is, is to, you know, continue to use my language with those who, who, you know, are learning it, who speak it. And I find the more you use it, the more the more you think in your language and you have that Dene worldview. So that's that's my goal. And to share my knowledge and my language with, you know, the ladies that I've come here with from the Northwest Territories. And um, yeah, I'm really appreciative of being able to learn along with these young ladies and, and share what I know 
that was so freely gifted to me by my my um, grandparents and many elders that have been a part of my life and uh, and those that were a part of theirs and so you know I want to perpetuate that and but also you know be to be mindful that you know it comes with work on your your own part as well so see. What are your hopes and dreams for language in your community in the next 10 years? Well, I've been really fortunate to have been brought into our language team so soon after they started. I've been working with our Lekwungen Eatnung team probably about since last April. And the amount of work uh, that goes into the strategic planning is incredible. In 10 years, our goal is to have about 25% of our community learning and or speaking uh, Lekwungen. We're currently making plans on how we can enter into our local school, school systems to teach our Songhees and Esquimalt students <clears throat> daily language classes, and I'm really excited about that. Like I said, we started in our preschool at the beginning of the year, and we're getting really good feedback on that. My hopes and dreams within our community for the next 10 years is to have a vast amount of language speakers, knowledge keepers, uh, the next knowledge keepers in our next generation, and to have more programs available for the younger children so that they have more than just school and homes to be learning the language. Hmm. Well, I think in 10 years, what I'd like to see perhaps continued Um, is the Early Childhood Education Center um, in my community, uh, Powitz. It means the nest, and it currently is like a um, run by an elder who does daycare, and it's also language immersion, and um, the kids are really great. You know, they have so much language within them in those first five, four, five years, than a lot of us do who have grown up um, away from home or missed that window of of getting the language early. So I think I'd like to see that expanded, but I think I would also like for there to be room um, for parents of those young children to also be bringing language into the home or into play and um, because a lot of the time the kids know so much, but the parents aren't able to engage with it. Um, so while they have it all day during daycare, they go home and that's, that's the last of it. So I think if we're able to continue that and bring everyone in and make sure that we're educating each generation, then, um, I think in 10 years we'd be flourishing and we'd be able to greet each other, you know, in the street or walking in the village. Um, and I think, yeah, that's the dream to me. That is anyways, (laughs) if somebody, uh, wave me down and said, then I'd, I'd be really happy. And I mean, elders already do that, but I haven't quite mastered all of the responses quite yet because I'm always doing different things. <laughs> my hopes and my dreams for language in my community is that in my lifetime, I want to see a language immersion school being built in our territory. That's a pretty big dream, <laughs> but... I, I think it can happen. <laughs> yeah. um, another thing that I would love to see are all adults taking advantage of the language classes that are being offered in, the, in our territory. 
Dreyuvik. Mm-hmm. It's a program. It's going to school. But it's so worth it. Another dream that I have is I want to see people speaking to each other in Teletan very casually in every context. Like if I go to the grocery store and I see people talking in Teletan, my life mm-hmm. would be made. <laughs> I think for me, just because I'm urban, I really just hope to see like the language nests at the Friendship Center grow so much more. There's so many Métis people all across Turtle Island, and so it's hard to get back to the homelands to learn the language and that. So yeah, I would really just would like to see more speakers, even if it's not fluent, you know, but like speakers who can continue teaching and there to be some alternative schools. I'd really like to see more language nest schools all over Turtle Island. Yeah, just see that growth. It's just like, it's been incredible to see what the tribal school's been able to do. And to think like with all the Cree and Métis that are urban here in Victoria and then in other cities, like it'd be awesome to see there be language nests for us. Definitely for me is that our youth take that personal responsibility and and that they gain that courage and the passion to speak it and to realize that it is a really big part of identity. Um, I mean, we have a lot of youth who are lost and things like that. I was one of them. And just kind of, it's almost like finding a voice that you never knew you had, even though you can't speak well in that voice or anything, at least you understand it. You carry it with you all the time. And I think that I hope that our youth pick it up sooner than later and that they carry it with resilience and with all the hopes and dreams that, you know, our our elders prayed for us to carry on. And I hope that that's what they find the strength to do, because it definitely does take a lot of strength and determination. And but it's doable for sure. And I suppose mine has always been to have our worldview incorporated into the education curricula. I know there's information there, but I want it to be the forefront of how, you know, um, our children are taught in, in our communities. And also, you know, to have our language spoken. I think that's most, most of us, that's what we want is our language spoken by the little ones and the ones in between. We have to remember to, we have to do it as a family and we have to start at the kitchen table. And I think that is where we really need to start. And that's where we're going to create our schools and it's going to be from our perspective. And so I'm hoping in 10 years, we have a Denejatia school, immersion school. Let's see. Do you have any advice for anyone who wants to start learning their language? I would have to say start now. It's never too late. One of our Songhees elders, his ancestral name is Kualkualetza, Frank George Sr. He started the program, started taking the classes as soon as our program was available. And he's been a dedicated language learner for the last year and a bit. And he actually did a welcoming and introduction of himself at the Halisit the Squail conference a few weeks ago. And it was really, really inspirational. And a lot of our team was able to attend and we're really proud of him and all the work that he's put into learning the language. It's inspirational. Uh, My advice is to not be afraid and just explore, explore and finding yourself. And that's what my journey, my language learning journey has been, is just finding out who I am and where I come from and learning more about my culture and learning more about our 
history in our own homelands. And I think um, just being able to understand a little more of our past and who we are as a people has been helping me mentally, physically, emotionally with everything that I have been through. And being in this program, you know, has kept me sane, has kept me going, and it's inspirational. It's the language itself is soothing and, you know, it's exactly where I need to be right now. So I would say just go for it and find out who you are and where, learn about where you belong. I think if I were to give some advice to those who are just beginning to learn their language or have tried in the past and or currently on their journey, I think the most important thing to remember is you're doing this not only for yourself, but, you know, for everyone in your community and those um, those who haven't been born yet, you know, and you're doing the work from a place of just love and respect and gratitude and I think, you know, the first, inevitably the first like hundred times like that you mess something up, it's worth it, you know, and it's, it's, it's that commitment, um, that you make because I think all of us who are, who are learning, that's what we go through. And I think it's also accepting that, you know, we're not perfect. (laughs) We're, we're creator doesn't, doesn't intend to make any of us perfect and I think often in the society that we currently live in like we have that uh sort of frame of mind that we need to be perfect and I think language revitalization is almost the opposite of that it's totally being vulnerable to um like being imperfect and to be flawed and I think it grounds us in a way that that nothing else for me personally ever has. I think doing what I'm doing is, is something that has to, I have to be put in a different frame of mind entirely to be, to begin it. And yeah. And I definitely think that language revitalization is for everyone. I think there are a lot of folks who, um, shy away from it. Um, but I think, I don't know if I've just messed up enough that I'm not concerned anymore. Um, But yeah, I truly think it's for everyone. I think there just needs to be more space made for folks who don't pick it up immediately or um, for those who need that extra love to to be carried along with the group um, in classroom situations. So I think if you're listening and you're trying to learn your language, Um, keep going and just remember why you're doing it for whatever personal reason or the larger reason to keep our languages alive Um, the work you're doing is important it's you know so valuable and yeah I don't think I can (laughs) I can stress enough that even just the smallest bit is it's something you know and I like I said before I think it's just incorporating language every day um so yeah a new channel to say goodbye to say okay um we just say choo (laughs) so I'm gonna say choo and uh good luck to to everyone who's putting themselves out there to learn their language 
I have lots of advice. My, my, my language story started with me just reaching out. I had absolutely no contacts. I had no idea how to start, where to begin, but I reached out anyway. So that's my advice to anybody who is looking to, looking to, look, to learn their language and they have no idea where to start. So if you reach out, somebody will lead you to the right person and your language journey will start from there. Another thing I would like to say is, you know, we're all, we're all um, doing our best and whatever language initiative you make for that day, that is good enough. That is enough. You don't have to have all the time in the world to, to dedicate to language, just as long as you don't stop. And I know, I know I fall into this trap sometimes of I'll wait till later. But take the time now. You won't regret it later, I promise. The time to save our language is now. Yeah. Not tomorrow or 10 years from now. It's now. Yeah, just do it. <laughs> I, I think I regret not learning as much as I could have. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I regret not learning before having a language teacher. Obviously, it's best to have a fluent speaker there with you and be learning in person, but when I think about all the resources and things I could have been doing on my own beforehand, I just feel like there's so much I could have learned. I would say just don't be scared to make mistakes. Like, I make mistakes all the time, and I know, like, when I was learning French, (laughs) I was always terrified to like make mistakes there's so many obviously french speakers out there and just didn't want to look like a fool but there's just no time for that with our indigenous languages because they're dying out so quickly and rapidly and i just think learning's the best or making mistakes is the best way to learn and like you'll probably learn more than if you just waited to say the perfect thing the way that someone told you how to so I'd say not to be afraid to make connections with the knowledge keepers. I feel that that was a big thing for me as a language learner is not knowing how to pay those respects, how to be respectful in the way of wanting the knowledge, but also having to ask for it. And so I would say that, you know, don't be afraid as they're usually always willing and eager to share that. And always remember the power of language and the strength and power that comes with it. Because, you know, our younger generations and even myself were definitely products of wanting that change and really wanting to be the voice and have our own voice. Masi. My advice would be to remember that you will heal as you speak your language. A lot of emotions will come out of that. You may not know where that's coming from. It may be you know, just be prepared for the emotional healing that will come with learning your language and the teachings that come with learning that language and why we are the way we are has a lot to do with the stories that you will hear in the language as you learn your language. So yeah, and and just stay committed. And and it is a scary thing, I know, because I've watched these young ladies go through it, but I, I had this opportunity to be a part of and yeah just and stay committed don't don't give up it's going to be scary and you know kind of uh, actually scary and hard at a lot of times but you can make it because you're made from good stock don't stop i see do you have any final thoughts or words you want to share 
I just think that learning your language is such a beautiful process into coming into yourself and learning more about yourself. And when I was just in Aotearoa in New Zealand, like I was talking about how language is really the only way that you can properly articulate what you're trying to say. Like, especially when we're talking about ourselves and our cultures and our identities. It's just so freeing when you're actually able to articulate exactly what you mean in a way that doesn't translate to English or another colonial language. And I think I've better understood the teachings or my relationship with Creator from just such a short time learning this language that I'm like so eager for other people to learn that and like be able to experience that. I just like to thank you for inviting us here for giving us a voice, even though we're so far from home. Um, it really means a lot. I'd like to thank also, you know, your your people for allowing us to learn and grow on your lands, beautiful lands, by the way. And I'm just very thankful for all the connections we made and that Victoria feels like home too. Merci. Se nahe hot ianjon, nahe then now get ethe ajon, masi guru sina then nahe nahe gondi at akani da new neither. Ega masi duenethe, um, good sanjon chikiachu, um, natigonde, egashi masi duenethe, a jon denegondeg, a thit in as a gunis in duegots and go make a nahe raganethe ashu masi due. Thank you so much, and I'd like to acknowledge the ancestors and the many people that have come before us to help us to journey to this to this place and this time still holding our language despite what has happened in the past. I would like to acknowledge the traditional lands of the people here. I'm so grateful you have most beautiful lands I've ever seen. And acknowledge Nick, you know, you're doing a wonderful job. Thank you so much. I'm so proud of you, and I'm, I'm really glad I'm, I get to be a part of your journey. Masi. Haishka CEM to Lindsay Joseph, Kristen LaFortune, Aya Klappis, Haley Gallup, Yvonne Housen, Cheryl Klee, and Nicole Perron. Thank you for being a part of Huelnof Radio and sharing your language journey with us. It has been inspiring. And to end this episode, I want to share a song with everyone. And with permission from Stockwith, this song is called The Honor Song. And it is sung by Stockwith, John Elliott. And I want to dedicate this song to all the language warriors out there who are revitalizing and saving their language.
This episode was produced by me, Nick Henry. This program would not be possible without the generous support of the Community Radio Fund of Canada. If you like this episode, check out our other episodes and subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts.